Okay, um, welcome to this podcast, um, this episode um, of the podcast, and welcome to the Hidden Corner. For those who don't know what we talk about in Hidden Corner, we kind of talk about all kinds of weird and amazing things, mostly music. Um, we're going to bring things to music and hopefully all that kind of good stuff. Um I'm also going to talk about generation on this podcast and all that kind of really good stuff. Now, first of all, on my last episode, I want to talk to you about institutional life. Uh, and and I said in the last podcast of how I made that note and how I was fed up of institutional um, life. And now... I want to break it down for you because institutional life does not mean being in an institution. (laughs) We're going to have to break this episode up, I think, and talk about it a lot in this episode. But I think institutional life, um, a lot of people may see as um, an institution like a building or, I don't know, a school, somewhere like that. A resident, a residential institution, but in my sense, a community of vulnerable adults. Now, I have decided to go into that community of vulnerable adults, but also I have built a community of vulnerable adults using the people that I know. So it could be that you know a lot of people, and if you try and leave something or leave somewhere um it can be hard because um who else are you going to know and you don't want to invite the wrong people to your community um because it uh because of a lot of things and they could use it i mean like if if you are um it depends. It depends um, what position you are in, and so therefore, um, to build a community, it needs to start small. But you have to see it as a community. If you want to build a community, you have to see it as that. For example, I am building up the EDM community, the electronic dance music community, um, in Southport through generation and generation's a great resource and you know people have to want to come to it and know about it and it's great but the great thing about it is starting small and i think to start a community as well you have to um be involved in other things um i was already in a community group which wasn't as big well it's grown and grown and grown and grown and i think it was still in the growing stage or the growing phase of it and i've seen that grow into a community um you know this was just after generation sparked so i was bringing people from that into the stepping stones group as well and building communities you know you can do it through whatever um I mean, I don't see the the group that I'm in at the moment. I don't see that as a group now. I see that as a community uh, because 
a community is a gathering of people who they have their own resources uh, they have their own weaknesses and strengths um, but I think that institution you know and also the special clubs that I go to it's all special this and special that but I think we just take that barrier away for a minute and say those people they've been fantastic they've helped like you wouldn't know who's there to help out and is there and believes that you wouldn't understand the people that believe in you um it's a great shock um you know even the people that might be into what you're into they still somehow believe in you <laughs> it's strange um so that's where i wanted to start really and also um if you're a part of something you can go to them and say hey do you want to come to this do you want to come to this thing that i'm starting up and uh, that's how it goes um you know um the political barriers they come later on but as long as your idea is still focused on that i think that's something that yeah Well, we're uh, on the subject of imaginary friends and imagination. First of all, um, I want to tell you, before I tell you my story about imagination, your imagination is a part of you that can be strengthened or weakened. Uh, But it's... I wouldn't say it's a skill, um, unless you're in writing, but imagination is something that you have or you don't have. Um, For example, I could tell you to imagine that you're in the hottest desert and there's no water around. (laughs) You know, okay, Um, and you're back in the room. Now, um, obviously, my imagination has been really deep. Um, I have, I'm, I'm not the person to say that I have the deepest imagination, but I think, well, if there is an imaginary this or that, or I'll take normal things like imaginary buildings or whatever, um, imaginary pubs, bars, restaurants, but then I have like. Um, if I'm writing my book, I'll have landscapes that I've designed where, you know, and and I'll think of things like if a city was to be run by such a thing, you know, they could, anybody could be, you know, if they run this, they could do whatever they want. You know, they may have police to help them, but if they run it, then basically if people wanted to go and smash up a building that they, whatever, if they wanted to do it and there was no law enforcers around, then who runs 
the actual establishment. Now, that's a cyberpunk uh, thought, and if anyone's into cyberpunk, that's kind of um, what some of the stories are based around, or um, I don't know. Um, I mean, if you are into Harry Potter, um, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's the thing with Harry Potter is there's a lot of um, even though Harry Potter is set, even though there is like an imaginary world which J.K. Rowling has built and characters which she has excuse me, made um, you know, there's a bit of um, you know, there's a bit of politics in there, and there's a bit of religion in there, and a bit of football. <laughs> yeah, Quidditch. Um, but it's done in a very cool way, you know, and. Yeah, I would say though that the um, the sixth book, the beginning of that was very political heavy. <laughs> it was, you know, um, but I don't know, had me thinking. I mean, um, when the the sixth book came out, um, if I remember, Tony Blair was still in power. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's just a breakdown. I want to talk to you about my imagination my story about imaginary friends um and we might have to break this up into different segments because of the time so um so i'll tell you my whole story and i'll bring the asperger's into it as well um but i'll tell you how it all started so i was just a normal five-year-old kid uh playing in my back garden and I did have people to play with, but I didn't know how to interact with them. And I met this imaginary person in the garden. And back then, it all felt real, a bit more too real. And the back garden was my whole world. Um, because I had, you know, my toy car, the swings. I had a car to play in I had you know um, other toys to play on Um, the garden was my whole world you know it was clean it was you know um, and then in the next door's garden they used to have a Wendy house but this very day I was in 
So um, I was in the garden, which is my own little world, and it was a Saturday morning, and I was sat on the swing, and I met my first imaginary friend, and I felt, um, I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember his name, Gress, and it was the name I made up, but back then it didn't feel like I made up anything, it felt so real, and, um, Gress was like, do you want me to push you on the swing? And I was like, yeah, go on. So um, he pushed me on the swing and we sat on the swing and then um, we pretended that he had his car and he got off in his car and I'd go off to my nan's. At the beginning, it was a secret, strange enough. I didn't tell my mum and that, that I was playing with a friend in the garden. So it came from being this secret to you know and I really had this great time in the garden now um we fast forward to uh I think was it a couple of months later I see Gress again and uh I think it was a few weeks I can't remember um and Gress and me we didn't spend a lot of time it would be a little bit of time, or whatever. But then there was a few more imaginary friends that just came out of the woodwork. They were like ants. They were coming out of the woodwork. And, um... Anyway. Um... That was how that happened. And... So... Uh, we moved from... We moved to stay at my nan's for a bit because we were working on the house. And um, the imaginary friends, they they basically, they came. Every imaginary friend you could think of just came out. They were just being, they were being created from somewhere. It was like, I don't know, I'd wake up and there would be an imaginary friend. <laughs> it was strange. So there was... It, it, it was like that. Um, and... When my parents divorced, my imaginary friends really helped me through that process. Um, my parents divorced in... Um, Ninety-seven. I should remember the year because it was the year before the World Cup. <laughs> Strangely, you remember silly things like that. Um, and it was also a year after. Um, it was also a year after I got my first drum kit. So, yeah. Um, it was a year after that and the drums had just been moved upstairs as well in 97. And things were going good in 97. And... Um, up to that point, Gress 
was in the picture, but I had a few people that I played with, you know, so Gress wasn't always there. Unfortunately, you know, except when there was nobody to play with and then there was just sort of me and Gress, you know, Gress was always in the picture. But I had another friend, a real friend, um, who was really, really close and um, understood situation. Um, I want to. I want to talk about. I want to just talk about divorce for a second. I don't want it to be a massive thing. But when my parents split, um, I met another imaginary friend. Of course. Um, now, what you've got to understand is, um, I didn't fully understand divorce. I, I knew what it was. I knew what it was, and my parents were pretty open. Um, I mean, my dad always, my real dad always answered the difficult questions, you know, so, I mean, I found this cassette tape, um, one time, this cassette tape, I had, um, some cassette tapes in my bedroom, but there was one or two cassette tapes that were lying around, <laughs> you know, when there's something your parents don't want you to look at, and, um, I accidentally loaded this cassette tape in and it was, one was called Drugs and Solvents, Things You Should Know, and the other was called Mark Goodyear Gives You the Facts. And my mum was at work and um, I had this tape full blast, you know, because I liked, I liked the sounds on it. I liked, you know, you know, it was Mark Goodyear Gives You the Facts and all this business. And, um, Basically, the door crashed open as if I was doing something completely wrong. And um, my dad goes, uh, you've just listened to that tape. It's like, yeah, yeah, all the way through. What's wrong with it? It's, you know, Mark Goodyear gives you the facts, you know, what's wrong with that? So um, my dad said, well, it's a very educational, it's a very educational tape, that son. I was like, okay, so I listened to it over and over. And... Um, I kind of knew what drugs were. I kind of knew, you know, I kind of knew there was, you know, medic, medic, medicine gets you better. And um, I was at the age of knowing, you know, that medicine makes you better. And if you take too much medicine, it could kill you. Uh, I kind of knew that, you know. Um... But I was about, oh, crumbs, seven or eight when I had that conversation. And um, I remember my dad, you know, my mum was at work and, and I'd listened to the tape. And my dad said, look, before your mum comes home from work, I know you've heard those tapes over and over again. Is there anything you want to ask me about these tapes? So I said, yeah, I said, um... I said, medicine, I said, is there any medicine out of there that can, you know, kill you? And my dad said, yes. He said, he said, um, he was telling me about pills and um, medicine and alcohol, which I knew alcohol makes people drunk. And we got talking about the music scene. Now, of course, my dad didn't explain the... Um, 
the technical side of it, but um, I understood that drugs, people feel there are things out there, medicine out there, that can really do strange things and all of that kind of stuff. I didn't understand all the technical side of it, but I did understand the basics. And, um, you know, that was a time when we learnt that drugs were bad. Um, oh, yeah, I was told that um, it, it was then, I was. I remember that time, it was a strange period, that people were disguising sweets as drugs. I remember all of that business. Um, you know... Don't take a sweet from a stranger and all that business. Um, I mean, it's strange because um, when I get something from the sweet shop, um, I have done something you shouldn't do. I've gone up to kids and offered them the sweet, and their mum's like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> you can, if looks could kill, it'd be like. Uh, how dare you do that sort of thing? As I just walk up to them and go, "Hey, do you want a sweet?" <laughs> I do. I do all the time. Um, but it's it's something you shouldn't do. I think even nowadays you shouldn't do it. But um, anyway, um, we talked about strange danger and stuff like that, um, as you do. But um, I remember watching. I remember hearing this word. And I remember asking, what's divorce? Is it murder? And then I got told, oh, it's when somebody leaves somebody else. I was like, right, okay, that's all I need to know. So I understood that's what divorce was, when somebody leaves somebody else. And it never dawned on me that it was going to happen to me. It's it's something, when you're a kid, you never think, hmm, it's it's not going to happen in my lifetime. You know, it's like... um, you know, I'm pretty cool with that, you know, because um, it, it was one of those things. It was like, don't worry, Stephen, it's not going to happen, you know. It was the, you know, but when when it happened, um, I do hope my mother's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, when it happened... Um, I was in shock um, because I used to have this routine and this is before I got my Asperger's diagnosis uh, where I would, we we came home from, we had this time, we had this moment of going into the, we had a caravan and we had this time we'd come back and I'd play with my cars and hey, when my dad came home, um, he would put me to bed. And it was that, that's how the routine went. I would play in my cars and then my dad would come home and we'd put them away and he'd put me to bed and he would put a CD or a tape on or read me a story or something. We'd have that time, you know. Um, or he'd put a video on or something. Um, so, when the day happened 
when my dad left. I'll put it like that. Um, it was like if you got a calculator and put one plus one equals two, you know, it's like getting the easiest sum and plussing it. And um, I played with my cars the whole time. I came home, had a bath. It was really strange because we left abruptly. We we never left. Like the things didn't add up really for me back then. Looking back, um, I won't put. I won't say too much, but I'm just. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what happened. Like it's like I'm going back in a time machine and replaying this in my mind. Um, so I'm going back to when I was about oh crumbs, uh, eight years of age. I wasn't even nine. Um, you know, this is 1997. Um, and in 1997. Um, You know, I didn't understand, you know, because we left abruptly, but it didn't click then. It was one of those things. It didn't click. We got home and so, you know, and so I'd be playing my cars for ages. Uh, I had a bath, I think. Because that was another thing, because that was another thing that didn't add up. Because when I came home from the caravan... Um, because we'd have a shower at the at the caravan, so I'd already had um, I'd already had a shower in the afternoon. Um, I think, yeah. Um, my dad made made sure I had a shower that day, so I had a shower that day. Because I think we'd been swimming. No, no, we had a shower. In, I had a shower in the caravan. Um, so I had, basically when I came home, um, I had a bath. This was all pretty odd. Um, we're going to come back around to my imaginary friends. This is important, by the way. This is all important. Um, I need you to be taking notes <laughs> if you're listening to this. If, if you, if you're driving, don't take any notes at all. Just listen. Uh, maybe take some notes when you get back or something. Um, but anyway, um. I got home and had a bath and I was playing with my cars and my mum came up and said Stephen can you go to bed please um and I used to say and I said no I'm 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 can I wait until my dad comes home because I'm playing with my cars and mum said yeah okay and uh, it seemed like ages um and it was going dark and I had school the next day and my mum had to get me to bed <laughs> Um, so my mum's like, right, Stephen, bed now. I'm like, is my dad not coming home? Uh, can you just get to bed? I'm like, okay. Um, it's like night, Stephen. Then the door closed and it was still light ish. Um, so my cars were all away. 
because I put them away um, and everything. So all my cars were away and um, because it was, that's what I did. If when my, I knew my dad was coming home or whatever, when it was time for bed, all the cars would be put away. And the the other thing was my dad would come and help me put the cars away. Now, when I had to put every single car, my mum was like, get to bed. I'm like, I'm putting all the cars away, you know. <laughs> um, but um, obviously when I, you know, I got upset and everything. And it was a very, I just saw it as a sad moment. Um, it was like somebody had died. Um, I, I'm just telling you about this because I want I want to paint a picture. So the next day, uh, well, for quite a few days, um, I thought, well, life is changing, um, and I had to find a way to cope. I thought, well, this is a way. I'm going to find a way to cope. And the way I coped was I had a new imaginary friend. Um, it was at this point that Tom was really helpful and we'd start a business and, and we learnt and all that kind of stuff. But then imaginary friends were bad. Oh no, they weren't bad. It's... Um, we had to have, we had to keep them to the bedroom and there was all these new rules that came in. Quite stupid rules, to be frankly fair. And um, I will, I will do another um, episode about that. But there was a long, there was this thing about, it came in too early. This thing about talking to myself. And... Um, it still happens today. Now, it's the only thing about the imaginary friends that um, I would say that I find hard to talk about because I've had some bad parts in my past where I've been told to stop doing it and told to end this. Um, I just feel like saying, well, I feel like saying now, you know... Um, I just think, goodness grief, you know, when you tell somebody to stop a crack habit or a, you know, it's, 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 okay, uh, that's a bit extreme. Um, if I say um, a smoking habit, you know, you dare tell a smoker, stop smoking. And um, I had an argument with somebody about it. I will do an episode about the talking to myself and uh, all that business. I'll do a whole episode on it. Um, on here and on the audio blog. Because I feel it's something that... I feel that if you tell somebody to stop and they carry on... You've got a question, is it an addiction or not? Um, I want to I wanna come to that in another episode. Not in this episode. Because this episode... It's just on the imaginary friends. So junior school was good. Um, and I did get support in junior school. Very good support. 
um, from my peers and my teachers in the end. And it wasn't until I got to high school that that support faded away. Um, I guess um, it led me to joining the wrong crowd. Um, I've always been like that, really. Uh, but anyway, it led me led to me being joined the wrong crowd, and it led to me being bullied. Um, I only got bullied once. Um, I only got bullied once. Um, strangely enough, um, but I want to talk about that in another episode as well. And um, I and I won't. Um, I won't talk about it too much. But yeah, um, I got bullied once. Um, and then, I don't, later on, I don't know, I just got misunderstood by everybody. And then I got a counsellor. Um, but she only had one eye open. When I mean that, I don't mean she, she was fully sighted, but when I mean she had one eye open, the other eye was closed on the situation. Um, I got an assessment... Uh, I was diagnosed with Asperger's and that was a big shock. Um, I I had friends with autism, I had friends with learning disabilities, I had all that, but I did not know. We had this one friend that we took to club and um, when they got me assessed uh, and when they got my diagnosis, um, I remember sitting in the car um, I remember my mum coming out. Um, I seriously don't remember much of the day, but I just remember sitting in the car and uh, and my mummy's like, she came out and she didn't know how to tell me. It's one of those things. She said, um, "You know that thing your friend's got." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> She's like, uh, "You've got it." I'm like, I said the thing. I said, Asperger's. She's like, yes, Stephen, you've got it. She said, but it's not going to kill you. It's not contagious. And we love you no matter what. Well, I think because it had only been on a piece of paper, um, it was accepted. But the Asperger's syndrome was like, somebody in the household that we didn't want to get on with. Let's put that metaphorically, but I'm going to come to that in another episode. There's a lot of things I come to another episode. Um, So the imaginary friends got me through school. Um, I had a pretend company by this point. I've actually got one of my imaginary friends with me in the room where they want to talk on the podcast. No, no, you... <laughs> okay. Um... So, and obviously I had an imaginary radio station, which I still have, but one of the shows is on Spreaker. Yes. Woo! And I'm part of a real radio station as well. Um, But obviously, um, I didn't feel like... um, 
when I'd left school and I'd entered college, it was the imaginary friends. I had to hold it all in because I was made to. I was made to by school and made to by my parents and the other side of my family. So I left college. Um, it was like trying to hold in the runs, <laughs> you know. Um, it came out. Um, and then we went, and I got another assessment, and blah, blah, blah. And hey-ho, and we've got we got another project coming up pretty soon. It's called the Imaginary Friends Project, and it's happening on YouTube. And it's not about the story I've just told you. It's about what's happening now. It's about the imaginary friends I have now. And in fact, I've learned from my imaginary friends. Um, I've learned stuff like... I've been able to role play with my imaginary friends. For example, if there is a situation that's happening in the real world, we can put that in the, you know, we, we can make it happen to an imaginary friend and see how that works. Um, you know, see how that works. Now, we have to remember that, you know, I technically, if something happens, like, there is an accident done in the house or something. I wouldn't blame it on my imaginary friends, which is what people tell you to do. And I'm going to make sure that message gets out in the imaginary friends project. Um, but the one thing that I would say is um, there's no age that you should stop with imaginary friends. It's like saying um, like chocolate. Um, it's like saying, okay, when you get to 18 years of age, you have to stop eating chocolate. <laughs> you can never eat it anymore. You can't even consume it. No, you can consume it. You just can't eat it. It's not acceptable. Could you imagine telling someone that? Could you imagine? You know, people just, people just got their minds and they'd buy... Tons and tons of chocolate bars. And they have done these experiments. And. You know. It's like saying. You know. And. Um, people. In the 90s. And early millennium. Yes. Um, forcing people to conform it was a pretty okay thing. Now, in in nowadays world, you know, I think if somebody told me now, and I think people, I think I'm gonna say there's a few of my peers that are, um, what's the word? Um, the more they're okay with the situation they're just not okay with me doing it outside but the thing is I don't tend to and I don't hen if there is an issue um, 
without us getting too complicated, the imaginary friends, if people see that as a problem, then there are worse problems that, that you should be looking at. Um, you know, um, I don't have schizophrenia, and people that have schizophrenia are just as creative. And in fact, um, I helped somebody that had schizophrenia. I'm not going to mention any of the names or anything, just, you know. But um, I helped somebody and I just said, have you not got an imaginary friend? And I was at a group and it was something, do you know, when you shouldn't say something. It's like you say a very dirty word. But I knew this person had it and um, I got told off. I got told off by their staff. But a couple of days later, they they really felt better about themselves. That person felt better because I was talking about something and quite open about it. And I just think people should be open about it. But I'm going to say to you now, right, if you if you if there is a kid that's got a learning disability or whatever, I'm saying it for my community, right? And you tell them to stop having imaginary friends or you tell them to stop talking to themselves, right? Whatever. I want you to go downstairs. I want you to take yourself outside. I want you to go into your garage or go somewhere safe. I want you to be able to close the door and take a breath in and then hold it and let it go and think, right, that kid's got autism or whatever. But seriously, they've got their own world. They've got their own issues. Now take that breath in again, hold it, let it go, let it go. You could be driving along and think, gosh, my kid's doing this. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like these imaginary friends. Your spouse may not like it even more and they might want... I mean, I'm going to talk about this again in another episode, but I would say your spouse may have their own reasons. You need to sit down with your spouse and say, look, would you be okay with them doing hard drugs? Or would you be okay with them talking to themselves and having an imaginary friend? Seriously, it is a harmless thing. Um, I will answer the one question. Um, how I've not driven myself to suicide or anything. Um, I think now um, I have understood and known that they had their own reasons to force me to conform. Um, table ready, uh, table readiness. Um, I heard about this on a YouTube video. I can't remember the person, but table readiness may think to some people you can come back to the table. No, no, no. Table readiness is when you can be, you can go back to the family. Maybe it's a family um, gathering in the living room and they want you to be, um, behave in that situation, in that manner. Right? But it's okay for them to 
do what they want. It's okay to behave how they want. And it's not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody. Um, and people, people, there are a few people in my family who I'm not going to name any names that have been shocked. Uh, thanks to social media. Thanks to, um, I had a picture that went into Mersey Care magazine. Um, and the other side of the family, my gran wanted pictures of me. And there was a picture in the Mersey Care magazine. And my dad was working in the mental health, my real dad was working in the mental health industry. And they got the picture. I'm going to talk about this again in another episode. But they got the picture from the magazine and everybody was shocked. It was like something had shut them up. And I I said, look, I've got Asperger's syndrome. I had been telling that side of the family for ages and they didn't believe it. What do they want? They wanted proof. Well, there was the proof, you know. Um, I did I did say I was a bit funny with my grand and my dad. So I said, listen, I said, do you want my assessment report? Because I've got an assessment report now. And that was when the penny dropped. You know, it was like, because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. And so anyway, that, that was the thing. But I I just think if you are a parent or a carer and you're struggling with the way your son or somebody you look after behaves, don't try and stop them. It's the worst thing you can do. Okay, back then, back in the 90s, back in the early 2000s, it was okay. But you've got to look at today's world where things are more accepted. And you can go online, you can do your research, you can Google um you know and if your spouse is not okay with it then maybe you need to find a way around it maybe you need to have more one to one time it's tricky it's a tricky situation um, and if you feel like you're being controlled in that relationship, you need to put your kids or whoever you're caring for first. Because they're more important than the woman that you're with or the man that you're with. I, I hate to say that, but that's that needs addressing and forcing to conform will not damage anybody but I don't know um, if I was a lot worse than sorry if I if I my condition was a lot worse than it was back then, then maybe it would have psychologically damaged me. I am lucky, my friends. I am lucky. Um, Like I say, I'll talk about this more in another episode. 
because I am here to help. Um, I've got another podcast which, excuse me, which is coming out at the end of this month. And it's on hate crime, unfortunately. Um, I've researched hate crime and I've had to stop doing this podcast. I've just had to give myself another break because um, I got a bit upset reading about hate crime. I found an article which touched me. Um, And I'm going to talk about it on the episode five. I was just about to finish the episode and I found something in my research and I just thought, oh, yeah, this needs talking about. Um, but I think to end the story, the story about imaginary friends, do I still have imaginary friends now? Yes. Uh, do I listen to people now? No. Um, why? Because it's not an addiction and it's not a habit. Um, you know, back then things were habits because they wanted to force people to conform. Um, but now... Um, I would say, you know, um, it's a part of what you are. You can't fix it. It's nothing you can fix. And I'm so glad that they didn't try and put me on some medication to try and stop it because that would have made it worse I have heard of situations where people do put people on medication to fix problems that just oh yeah um, you, if you can't fix something just be okay with it um And that's 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 one of the reasons why um, you know I I choose who to bother with and not and. And these days, you have to learn very quickly. Um, but yeah, I think I'll end the story there, I think. Uh, and I hope you have enjoyed the story. Um, we've got some other stuff talking about this episode. we got um, music. We're going to talk music. We're going to talk record labels. Um, motivation. And pretty much more. Hi guys, um, this is my motivational um, recording. Um, I wasn't motivated this morning when I got out of bed. Um, I got out, I woke up about um, half seven. Um, I set the alarm for six o'clock, which I, you know, that woke me up. Um, and I put on a YouTube video and then I went back to sleep. Um, I thought, oh, crumbs, you know, 
Um, I'm not motivated now, so... Excuse me. Um, so I got up at half seven. I literally jumped out of bed. Threw on my gym clothes. Did the gym. Went upstairs for breakfast. Um, went down again. Uh, no, I went had my wash. I was going to go to the office, but then I just didn't have the energy to do that. So then I went and... What did I do? Oh, yeah. I went and then uh, I went downstairs and I did a bit of um, thought dumping. Well, I had a bit of thought diarrhea. So I did that and then... Um, and then I thought, and then I thought to myself, got a bit of time here, I'll work on my book. So I worked on my book, and then I was reminded that I had to go swimming. So I got my swimming stuff, got my lunch, headed swimming, and I've finished swimming, I've had my lunch. I'm now going to head, grab a drink, and head home. Um, head home as quick as I can because. I've got stuff to do when I get home. So, yeah. Voice memos. Voice cord. Pause. Button. It's time for me to bring you towards the end of an amazing episode that we've had. Um, unfortunately, I've told you about my imaginary friends. I've told you about my motivation. Um, I did some of my book as well today, which I forgot to say. About my motivation. But... Um, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to touch on something that probably some of you probably have not thought of or it hasn't 
hasn't casted your mind. And that is... Going into... Meditation. Um, or sleep or dreams or whatever. And... I guess the thing that is going to be mentioned or whatever is the fact that I think that if we hold on to what we have within our dreams and we hold on to those thoughts and we think how good this thought may be or how good that thought may be and sometimes we just need to hold on to it Um, it's really important to hold on to those thoughts another thing that we have to do um, is focus our mind on something Um, because if our minds aren't focused, then we're not going to go into this We're not going to go into the dream world with with anything. just something that we need to make and um, something that I think we need to be aware of is things that things that we believe in as well so there are things to help you before you into the dream world tonight. Um, I always say what I would do when I enter the dreams, but it's never happened as yet. Um, but I think I think things need to be focused on. Um, because those dreams are yours. That is your that is your experience. Mm-hmm. 